We preview the Orange Bowl, Michigan versus Georgia in the college football playoff next right here on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yep, caught. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. And a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Collinger at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bosch and Lynch. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Go Blue and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all of you. I am Steve Dace and it is time. Well, it's time to lay something out that, frankly, I didn't think we'd ever be discussing on this show. I don't need to go down this road again uh, that I had lost my hope and faith, but it is it is alive. We keep up alive. It is alive here uh, on Michigan Podcast again. So let's talk the game in a second. But first, I want to say this. Regardless of this outcome on New Year's Eve, and and let's keep in mind, I think Michigan has a decent shot to win the game, but the Wolverines still are a seven to eight point uh, underdog, depending on where you look. Georgia has been number one most of this season, so keep that in mind. Regardless of what happens on New Year's Eve in this game, and I'll have something to say about it here in a minute. We'll break it down more in depth with Mark Rogers. Uh, during the 10-minute war here in the next segment. But it's already been a phenomenal year. It's already been a great season. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson just continues to add hardware, Lombardi Award, the Lot Award, the Lot Trophy, um, consensus All-American, runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Josh Gaddis, the Broyles Award as the Assistant Coach of the Year. Jim Harbaugh, National Coach of the Year. Michigan's the first school to ever have its football and men's basketball coaches win that award in the same year. Juwan won it earlier this year. 
Uh, you look at Hassan Haskins, third team, All-American. Blake Corum, winning pro football focus, second team, All-American. Jake Moody won the Groza as the top kicker in the country in the last three weeks of the season. Man, he's been smoking. If you got him on the sidelines, just showing up to kick PATs. We haven't kicked any field goals. <laughs> that's all we were. That's all we were kicking the first month and a half of the season. I mean, the list of accolades goes on and on. Uh, the amount of players that have gotten some form of All-American recognition. It's just, it's, it's a dream season. It's the best season that Michigan has had since 1997. I wasn't sure about that until they won the Big Ten. But yeah, it's, it's the best season Michigan has had since sharing the national championship in 1997. It's been a dream year. Uh, if you look at the way that recruiting finished on such a high with all that momentum coming off the close of the season, the way that it looks like it's trending already in 2023, that has the chance to be the best class that Jim Harbaugh has ever signed. And it's just, it's just amazing to stop and think about. Go back. Go back and tell your Labor Day self. That wasn't that long ago, folks. Go tell your Labor Day self. Go tell your 4th of July self. Go tell your preseason camp self. Go tell your Memorial Day self, your spring ball self. How about just a year ago at this time? I mean, Michigan's getting ridiculed for using COVID as an excuse to not have to have a hundy put on us by Ohio State with such a beleaguered beleaguered and beaten down team. Go to any of those past junctures I just mentioned. Hop in the DeLorean and go back and tell yourself at any of those benchmarks, hey, Big Ten champs, double-digit win over Ohio State, finish number two, home team in the college football playoff. None of those benchmarks. Hell, how about your Halloween self after losing to Sparty like that? None of those benchmarks would have believed that. None of them. And rightfully so, looking at recent and too long of recent history. I mean, this is first Michigan's first undisputed Big Ten championship since 19, or I'm sorry, since 2003. It's almost 20 years. None of those benchmarks would have believed that we're here today. And yet we are. And it seems as if the ship now has been righted after it looked for the longest time like it was off its moorings and about to sink. The momentum is real. It looks like we're going to keep our coaching staff together. So many other schools are now going through the carousel and shuffling and coordinators, and Michigan has benefited by from that as well in the recruiting game with its stability, its championship stability. It's, it's truly remarkable how much different the perspective is for us as Michigan fans compared to a month and a half ago, two months ago, three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago. It's an astonishing turnaround. It doesn't happen, folks. From unranked to the college football playoff, it's never happened before. It's something, as long as they keep it four teams, we may never see it again. And so it's important, I think, to keep that in perspective because whatever happens after this, man, is gravy. Now to the game that Michigan plays in the Orange Bowl against Georgia. The similarities between these programs in terms of their philosophies, styles, the philosophies of the coaches, the offenses they run, what they rely upon, the cultures, uh, it, it, the schemes. It's, it's exceedingly similar. 
It's hard to believe, given all the tradition between these two schools and how 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 often they've been good, that they haven't played since 1965. To put that in perspective, Bo Schembechler would not arrive in Ann Arbor for four more years. Michigan was coming off winning the Rose Bowl and finishing in the top five with Bob Timberlake at quarterback and Mel Anthony the year before. That's a long time ago. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be born for another decade to give you an idea, as my kids would say, of how old that was. So it's hard to believe that they haven't crossed paths until now, but there are striking similarities here. It, what's tempting for me is to, is to look at this kind of as the Iowa game, but in reverse. The reason why I liked our chances against Iowa so much is because Iowa didn't really have a difference maker at quarterback, and they wanted to play a lot of a similar style of football that we play. We just recruit better than they do. And it kind of feels like that's what what we're facing here with Georgia, that these are very, very similar programs. They just recruit better than us. Now, the the one thing that I think works in our favor is when we've seen this happen in the past, Uh, Alabama-Washington, Alabama-Notre Dame, Clemson-Notre Dame, those kinds of semifinals in the past. And I I would put those Washington and uh, Notre Dame teams kind of on par with this Michigan team. One of the reasons that those games became uh, such blowouts or got out of control is Alabama and Clemson had difference makers at quarterback. There won't be a Trevor Lawrence suiting up this time. For, for Georgia. In fact, you can make a case, and I'll ask Mark Rogers about this here in a few minutes, that Michigan has the better quarterback situation, that Cade McNamara is at least as good, if not better, than Stetson Bennett. And then when you throw in the fact that we actually have a package and a plan for J.J. McCarthy and his athleticism, that our combined quarterback unit is better than what Georgia will start in this game. So that in and of itself plays into this game not getting out of hand, even if there is an overall talent advantage here by the dogs. I also think, though, the talent advantage between Michigan and, you know, ranked number two at the time and an Iowa team ranked in the, you know, top 20 is 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 more vast than the difference in talent between Georgia and uh, and Michigan, if that makes sense. So that while the situations are similar, I don't think the gap is as pronounced. But it's also a stage that Michigan has never played on. It's also after a month of a lot of accolades and a lot of backpats and a lot of hosannas and a lot of great jobs. Meanwhile, Georgia comes in, man, madder than a hornet's nest. They were on the brink of being considered a historically great team, and they didn't just lose to Alabama. They got punked. They got their manhood taken from them. Now, teams tend to react one of two ways when they roll for that long, and then they take the jimmy kick. It either A, means they got exposed and they don't come back. Um, I think of Penn State back in 1999, a team that was number one in the country most of the year, got upset at home by Minnesota and then didn't win another regular season game. Lost the next week at home to Michigan, went on the road and lost to Michigan State. They got exposed in that Minnesota game. Uh, or, I, you know, I think of, um, you know, some great college basketball teams in the past. Arkansas's 40 minutes of hell is an example. Uh, Kentucky uh, with Rick Pitino, another example, where they might lose at the end in the conference tournament, and that kind of recalibrates, refocuses them. 
takes the pressure off now. And then, you know, they go on a run the rest of the way because they've got their focus renewed after winning so often in a row. I don't know enough about Georgia, and I don't know that we will know until New Year's Eve which of those two responses from Georgia we get. If it's the latter, well, remember it was still a great season. If it's the former, then I think there's a good shot that this season will continue on and we'll be doing a national championship preview next week. But whatever the case is, Given the way you've seen recruiting recover here and soar down the stretch, uh, the way that it's already off to a phenomenal start for 2023, the momentum in the program, whatever happens on New Year's Eve, this is all just a bonus and gravy right now. Because Michigan football, we can safely say either way, is back. Oh, and that reminds me, folks, you know what? It's Christmas week, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, has a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket. Remember, all DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with the holiday free bet surprise. Everyone will get a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in prizes. DraftKings, safe, secure, and reliable. Download the Sportsbook app from DraftKings now. Use the promo code MICHIGANPODCAST. Bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. That's the promo code MICHIGANPODCAST this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 and older, Michigan only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Time now to renew the 10-minute war with our good friend and perhaps... One and only reasonable Bucknut, the one and only Mark Rogers, who does a fantastic job covering college football on his channel right here on YouTube, the voice of college football. Mark, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's good to see you, brother. How are you? Merry Christmas, Steve. I always appreciate this spot each and every week and you reserving it for me. So uh, I will continue, hopefully, to be reasonable when it comes to analyzing Michigan football. Well, let's get to it. And Michigan and Georgia, New Year's Eve, in the Orange Bowl, in the college football playoff. It is Michigan's first appearance in this event. It is Georgia's second. Of course, back in 2017, they were one pass in an overtime by Tua away from winning the national championship with a freshman quarterback by the name of Jake Fromm. Uh, and, And these two programs, they're so similar. Georgia just kind of recruits at a different level, if you will. But uh, a lot of the same notions, uh, you know, can Georgia get over the hump? Uh, Can Georgia win the national championship for Michigan? Can Michigan get over the hump, win the Big Ten championship? Can Georgia beat Alabama? Can Michigan beat Ohio State? They both have old school throwback coaches in Kirby Smart and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, They both want to be able to punch you in the mouth rather than trick you, at least up front. And and these are two of the best defenses in all of college football this year. Georgia, of course, until the Sugar, I'm, I'm sorry, the SEC championship looked like it was on pace for a record 
historic level of season. It has since lost its defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning, to the Oregon Ducks as their new head coach. Michigan brings in kind of a wunderkind uh, as its new D.C. And, and Mike McDonald from the Baltimore Ravens. He'd never coordinated a defense before and did a masterful job resurrecting a unit that was one of the worst in the country last year. So, I, I mean, these teams in many respects, other than, you know, Georgia's just got, you know, a few more five stars, they're kind of mirror images of one another. And given how traditionally good they have been, hard to believe, Mark, they have not met since 1965, four years prior to Bo's arrival in Ann Arbor. I think it was Vince Dooley's second season or third season in Georgia. So your thoughts first and foremost on the matchup overall. Well, I think it's much of what you just stated. In addition to that, a few things come to mind in regards to what has transpired just here in the last few weeks that make me feel and think differently, slightly differently about these two football teams. One is that uh, Jim Harbaugh and his staff has been progressively building up to this moment, building this team week by week, having to tweak here and there, both on the offensive side mostly, but also on the defensive side as it has navigated the season and played well, but there's always been something that's needed fixed or corrected. Kirby Smart's team has rolled this season. And now he's met with a situation in which his team was exposed by Alabama. And I don't know that Kirby Smart, with all his greatness as a recruiter and a builder of a program, has really as an X's and O's coach been the guy that has taken a situation and turned it on its ear. Not that the, not that there have to be substantial changes, but he has to fix what was exposed against Alabama. Michigan doesn't even need to be Alabama. They may need that uh, 10 days later, but they don't need to be Alabama to beat Georgia. Alabama uh, playing what I think was still a motivated team in Georgia, exposed them, beat them decidedly, and in Michigan – is pretty much building to this moment and progressively getting better. Kirby Smart needs to find some answers. He doesn't have his defensive coordinator, as you mentioned, Dan Lanning, moving on to Oregon. So he's got a situation. Will Muschamp, one of the best in the business, great place to be uh, with, with him. But they have to, for the first time this season, they they watched a game tape that was not impressive, that was not giving them answers, that, that they're going to have to now change uh, for the next game for the first time in 2021. There is, I wouldn't say we've reached conventional wisdom proportions yet, but there is a mounting notion within the Michigan media sphere that Michigan actually, even though Georgia overall is the more talented team, if you look, particularly if you look at recruiting rankings, uh, but that Michigan actually may have both the coaching and the quarterback advantage in this game. I want to ask you outside of our own echo maze and blue echo chamber here. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I kind of alluded to one of those two answers and that uh, Jim Harbaugh, despite uh, the, the cynics and the critics uh, over the last uh, year and a half in particular has always impressed me. And I've been a, a fairly staunch defender of Jim Harbaugh and his ability to, to coach football. Uh, when you you don't uh, just build programs, which is Kirby Smart has also done, but Kirby Smart took a top 10 program and made it a top five program. Jim Harbaugh has built programs and then specifically in game preparation, he almost won a Super Bowl. If Colin Kaepernick throws a better pass in the end zone, he maybe he wins a Super Bowl. You, you don't do that if you don't 
know how to prepare a team for a game. Um, in terms of the quarterback situation, I would agree with that. We see this on Sundays. Everybody can play the position, but the guys that are the elite don't make the mistakes that the other guys do a couple times a game. And Stetson Bennett's been in this situation now for two years in which we've seen him against the better opponents on the schedule, most notably Alabama now two consecutive years, make the bad throw, the bad read, uh, fail to read the safety at the wrong time and make those couple mistakes each game that Cade McNamara has not made. Cade McNamara has been able to make, sure, he's throwing an interception, first drive of the game against Ohio State or second drive of the game against the Buckeyes. I get it. He, he made a bad read, missed a guy, and, and threw the pick there. But Stetson Bennett's doing it in critical situations, and this has now been against five, six, seven opponents in the last two years that have comparable talent. So based on that track record, I will take Cade McNamara and especially the ceiling that he showed us against Michigan State. If he has to throw it that well and that many times he's at least done it, Stetson Bennett against this quality of an opponent has not. It is also interesting when you look at the similarities, again, between these two programs. I just realized, again, they've both got five-star quarterbacks sitting on the bench right now. Now, in, in Michigan's case, it's J.J. McCarthy. He's a true freshman, right? And so he's being he's being groomed and prepared, and, and ultimately – he will be the face of the program, whether it's next season or the season after. In the case of Georgia, it's the guy they brought in to be the face of the program, a former Michigan recruit, by the way, that was one of we were one of his finalists, JT Daniels, the USC transfer. He's been healthy for a few weeks. We've been waiting to see whether he was going to play again or not. And we haven't seen him. We didn't see him at all against uh, Alabama, even when they needed to throw pretty much every down in order to try and come back. Now, the situation is different. You know, Michigan has the more traditional, uh, more athletic guy on the bench as the change of pace. That's usually what you see, right, in these sorts of two quarterback battles or systems is the more athletic guy is the guy that is the second guy. In this case, though, for Georgia, even though he's the walk-on, you know, it, the the starter is actually more athletic, and the it's the backup that's kind of the stationary pocket passer type. What are your thoughts on that? I posted a video this week uh, just about the decision that Kirby Smart needs to make here and what has been battling him this entire season, uh, much like the Jake Fromm-Justin Fields decision that he made a couple of years ago, which history has proven to be the wrong decision. Not that Jake Fromm could not lead a college football program and came within – an overtime of winning a national championships, but Kirby smart did not recognize the top three quarterback in the nation and played in favor, the top 20 quarterback in the nation. So in this one, I'm not saying that he's making the wrong decision. I just don't know what necessarily his options are. When you made this statement, Steve, that uh, JT Daniels is healthy. Uh, I'm not finding any information necessarily to back that up or that, that, that Kirby smart. I know that he's on the game day roster, but it, it's just a he's the mystery man of college football because he was brought in to be the starter. He won the job. He apparently lost the job due to injury, although he didn't play poorly. He comes back and plays the final two games of the season, about half the game against uh, Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. And then he's suddenly absent again from the SEC championship game. So Kirby Smart has apparently made his decision. Uh, he's not necessarily proven to be the best at making these decisions. Uh, uh, 
uh, whether that be in preparation for the game or in the moment. And all he had to do, do is look across the field for some level of inspiration last uh, game in the SEC championship game to see Nick Saban, who did it twice to beat him in crucial games in the last four seasons. But um, it's it's a mystery to me in regards to uh, the availability of JT Daniels and what Kirby Smart is thinking. When I look at the concerns, the chief concerns, if, if I were trying to be as impartial as I can, despite wearing a block M here on the air, but if I were, you know, uh, trying to be as impartial as I can, what, what is the chief concern I think each team has in this game? Uh, to me, I, I would think on the Michigan side, it's those tailbacks, particularly James Cook, out of the backfield. Michigan is – and, and if you're playing at this point – it, you really, unless you're kind of having a bit of a season that's an outlier like Cincinnati, if you're a power five team in the playoff, you don't really have a weakness. You may have things you're not elite at, okay, but you're not, you don't really have a glaring weakness. You're not surviving a 12 game season, then in a postseason game and a conference championship game, if you've got an, an open sore, an open wound out there. Maybe you get to nine or 10 wins that way if you're great in other areas. But so, so Michigan doesn't really have a weakness. The talent on the roster is pretty well spread out. If there's an area where I don't think they're elite, it's at linebacker. Uh, and it's the younger guys there, the, the Nakai Hill Greens and the Junior Colsons. They're the better, they're the higher ceiling players. They're just, you know, freshmen. You have James Ross there, who's been really good as, as a senior, but he's more of your traditional Mike linebacker, downhill thumper type. That's why he's even out there wearing the 1989 style neck roll sometimes, okay? And he's a guy that will run really fast at the combine, straight ahead, but in the, you know, cone drills, won't blow you away with his lateral quickness. I would be, if I'm Michigan, I would be worried. And I, I think I told you this with the Ohio State game that I would, I thought for sure they would throw the ball to Travion Henderson out of the backfield and try to exploit uh, Ross in Michigan's linebackers in space. And they never really did. And, you know, that's a major integral part of Georgia's passing game uh, is throwing to tight ends, particularly, you know, Bowers, who leads the nation in touchdowns for tight ends. But James Cook out of the backfield, I'd be concerned about that. If I'm Georgia, my concern is that those two ends, you know, Michigan's front seven is very good. It is not as talented as Georgia's. In fact, this might be the most talented front seven Michigan has faced since that opener against Alabama, you know, at Jerry World back in like 2012, I think it was, just to show how long ago that was. The, so my, my concern, if I'm Georgia, though, is that those two ends control the game. So then now Mike McDonald is able to sit back and drop seven most of the afternoon or the evening and and mix up a lot of different NFL style of coverages that, you know, Stetson Bennett probably has never seen before, frankly, and causes him to make some mistakes. You agree or disagree that those might be the two biggest concerns each of the teams have heading into that game? So I'm going to go Michigan concern first because I'm less positive about it, but I'm leaning on you a little bit and some of your past analysis about Brock Bowers, who... I, I believe is a tremendous player just like you have and, and that Michigan matchup that I've leaned on you a little bit more for because Bowers is exceptional. But I'm also going to say George Pickens uh, in regards to uh, sometimes we see this with elite athletes that they come back and they're not quite ready. He's coming back from an, a, a bad ACL tear. Uh, but he's been back in the lineup and he's played a little bit and he's caught some, he caught one deep pass against Alabama. But I think he may be with a couple more weeks, three weeks, be ready to really tear it up. Uh, he was a guy that uh, really exploded with JT Daniels 
uh, as the quarterback the back half of 2020. Uh, but uh, regardless of who the quarterback is, he's the one guy that can take the top off of the defense. And I think you make another great point about linebackers covering. George has got four running backs that are of elite talent. They've narrowed it down to about three that get some level of touches, but it is Samir White and James Cook that get the level of the touches and cook the guy out of the backfield. They can catch the ball and burn that defense. Here's the intriguing thing for me, for Georgia's concern. Okay, if I'm Kirby Smart, if I trust my offensive line coach, I am asking him, you need to be brutally honest with me. Can our tackles block those two ends? And how well can they do it? Because Ohio State thought that they could, Mm -hmm. and both of those tackles will be playing in the NFL. We Mm -hmm. understand that, and ours will as well. But are they that good? If not, it is paramount that we protect our quarterback. Uh, We would rather have one guy less in the route um, downfield and protect the so you need to be honest with me we need to get this right this is maybe the most important thing in the game right here to get this right how much do we have to keep people in to protect against Ajabo and Hutchinson if Michigan wins the game looked like what Mark uh the game's a relatively uh mid-range scoring high 20s. I think that's Michigan's game. I also think maybe a wild card in all of this is for as much as I love Hassan Haskins and he is going to be critical to beat on that defense and wear on it. I do think that a couple plays out of Blake Horam now that he seems to be ready to go. He's gotten past the ankle. He should have another three weeks again to get healthy and fully ready to go against a very athletic defense, of course, that a couple plays out of Blake Corum could be huge as well as Michigan. If you're ready for the prediction, drum roll, Wolverines 27, Georgia 24. Hmm. Well, first of all, it'd be a rarity, which is a, a really good semifinal game. A lot of these have not been good. Um, yeah. You know, you, you had the, the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl was good, but it's because it was two games in one. I mean, Oklahoma was up like 27 to 10 in that game, and then didn't they end up losing by like 14 or 17 at the end? And so it was more fascinating than anything else. That was but, an overtime game. Oh, it was an overtime game, so my mistake. All right, yeah. so that is the one. All right, the, the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl when Baker was the uh, Heisman Trophy winner, that seems to be like the one semifinal game we've had that – You'd air on a yeah. You know, well, it, the channel doesn't exist anymore. But if it still did an ESPN Classic, a lot of these semifinals have have not really been that competitive. So that would be that would be a rarity. It is the you know I told you this a few weeks ago. It is the it does seem like it's the 2016 revenge tour for Michigan. All right, I mean you know Michigan that that loss to Iowa is really what kept it out of the playoff that year. If Michigan's only lost that season, they were number two in the country. If their only loss that year is on the road at Ohio State in double overtime in, in a controversial fashion, they would have been in the playoff. Okay, so they lost. They, they, they've avenged that Iowa loss. They avenged the Ohio State loss. They got the Big Ten championship. What was the bowl game they finished in 2016? They finished the season in? It was the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl. Yeah, so it does sort of seem like the Orange Bowl, or I'm sorry, the 2016 Revenge Tour, and we will find out here on New Year's Eve in the Orange Bowl. Here's hoping your prediction is true, but either way, as I said here at the top, it has been a phenomenal season for Michigan football, the best in quite a while. Always good to talk to you, brother. Again, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We will see you again in 2022, okay? Take care. Merry Christmas, Steve, and everybody out there. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and we'll see you next uh, year. You bet. 
Well, the calendar is about to turn to basketball season. And if you like sports handicapping and you like Michigan podcast, a great way to marry those two is to support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. College basketball last year, we were 59 games over 500. We hit 56% of the games in the NCAA tournament. We correctly advised you to take Baylor at 6-1 to one to win the NCAA tournament, which they did. We had a very good college basketball season last year, especially down the stretch. And we're loaded for bear now for the new season as well. And yes, we'll continue on with our football handicapping as well. So make sure you support us just $5 a month. Who knows? It might win you some money when you go to patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. This week's Twitter poll results, we may have had a bit of a biased sample, okay? I even hashtagged college football playoff in the hopes we wouldn't just have Michigan fans like me stuffing the ballot box, but alas, 71.4% of you believe Michigan will win the Orange Bowl, 28.6% of you voted for Georgia. That brings us to our feedback of the week, and it's actually this graphic from the Big Ten Network. Michigan, as I mentioned it earlier, Michigan AP Coach of the Year in both football and men's basketball. The first time, as Zach Shaw at 24-7 Sports notes here, it is the first time one school has won both of those in the same year. It truly is great to be a Michigan Wolverine in 2021. Well, this is the last time we will speak to each other in 2021. I am hoping that when we next talk in 2022, it will be to preview a national championship game and not to review an absolutely outstanding season. But either way, it is an episode we have long looked forward to doing that we never thought we'd actually get a chance to do. Hope all of you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast to keep up to date on what we think about all things maize and blue in between episodes. And also, please don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, follow, five-star review, share, uh, whatever you can do on whether it's YouTube right here or iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, however you access, listen, watch us every episode. Help us in the new year to find more Michigan fans just like you. Once more, happy holidays. I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.